1: They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White.
2: Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us on Power Your Life. I'm Joanne White, and it's always a pleasure to be here, and... We need to look at what's been going on in our lives and figure out how do we access that joy? How do we access those smiles and that funny bone that's somewhere within us that we all have? Well, I'm so excited today because I have a special guest who's going to help us do just that. And I'm talking about Stefan Haas who is an accomplished entrepreneur, an international best-selling author, and an award-winning theater and Cirque director. Stefan collaborated with clowns Bill Irwin and David China on the Tony Award-winning Broadway show Full Moon before being poached by Cirque du Soleil as a comic act designer, casting partner, as well as a master teacher. For over 40 years, Stephen coached and directed thousands of world-class performers globally, including Joan Baez, Doug Jones, and Dal Kilmer. And most recently, Stephen crafted the Playland Experience in Las Vegas for Katy Perry's New Year's event. Two of his amazing goals, which I think he's already reaching, are to reinforce, excuse me, reinforce the curative nature of laughter, and to shatter the stigma of clowns. Welcome, 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 Steph. How are you?
0: Thank you so much, Joanne. I'm great. Um, Wow, that's quite an intro. I I hope I live up to what I've done in life. (laughs) I'm sure you do.
2: Now, let's go back a little bit in time for you. So how did you get into all of this?
0: Well, how did I get into all of this? How did I get into um, well, well, we can say I was a class clown um, and the thing about class clown it being a class clown is it probably takes a lot of um, pain and a lot of um, insecurity to turn it around and and realize, oh, um, the people that I want to put on my side is not the teacher but the other students against the teacher. So that meant um, clowning was a good direction for me to go into because um, the one thing clowns have in common is we all have uh, problems with authority.
2: <laughs> Count <And> me in. <laughs> so,
0: right, exactly, and um, and the other thing is I was uh, uh, I'm a twin and my twin sister could do everything. Um, Perfectly, she can. She could tie her shoes before me. She could play the guitar before me. Uh, She could do any kind of skill before me. And when I did these skills, people would laugh at me because my I was all thumbs and not very good at things. So I got that strange, wonderful um, ability to not have shame around. not being able to do things and actually I would do them worse so people would laugh more so if I tripped instead of feeling that um, horrible feeling of humiliation I would go uh, and people would laugh at me I would be like nailed it
2: (laughs) (laughs) why is it that that clowns have well I guess really why are clowns not really looked on as professionals and, and not seen for the experts in their own field that they are?
0: Well, you know, um, the clown stigma in the United States um, has happened, oh, the, la- the last 40 years. You know, when I was a, a little kid and watching Johnny Carson, the late night talk shows, um uh, he would bring on a plate spinner, or he would bring on um, a guy just fumbling with a microphone who uh, a man named george carl who and these people were were considered national treasures, and so um, well, I grew up looking at those kind of people being lauded and then, as the eighties uh, crept in and David Letterman came in those those kind of people were um, replaced by stupid human tricks, and then, um, then they made fun of mimes. Even Woody Allen did in his movies, you know, and, um, and so ultimately there was a cynicism that was happening in our culture, and uh, unfortunately the clowns were thrown under the bus.
2: You know, I think, though, it's an art, and not everybody can do it, and and it's important to be able to recognize their value and what they contribute because we need it, as you and I were talking about earlier. Why is laughter so important?
0: Um, well, the thing about uh, it's so funny because, you know, if I go to a party and I tell someone, I'm a comic act designer or I make clown acts, people say, make me laugh. And that's like me going to a party and saying, hey, what do you do? And, and, and he says, I'm a CPA. And I say, oh, well, balance my checkbook." <laughs> it's not something which we need to do right now, first thing out of the gate. And the other thing about laughter is laughter is a byproduct. It's a byproduct of feeling secure enough and safe enough, and watching logic, and then a script jump where it changes, and in in that together, it's a communal it's a communal art form. So so in laughing together, that is what um, that's when we feel true safety and regeneration within community.
2: Yeah, and it it connects people and it together and it makes us feel good being in that community or being at, in that moment with with one another as well as with ourselves. So you've done clown classes, you you've instructed people. Share some of that experience. What is it like?
0: Well, it's because um, my job is not to teach anything Um, I'm not really a teacher my uh, what I am is I'm a person who kind of just helps you to remember because we were all perfect clowns before puberty Um, middle school destroyed us all I don't know what yours was like Joanne but um, mine was was a tough one and um, and so but before that when we were um you know all on the playground just running around and doing things we were perfect clowns and then puberty rolls around and then we spend the rest of our lives kind of healing from that time of our lives when when um shame and 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 and, and wanting to fit in and not not being um outside of the group um that was a that was a really tough time so so when someone comes to my clown class, everybody was a brilliant clown before they were um, like dogged by humiliation. And so when if you can allow a safe space, a safe container within a clown class, all of a sudden everybody thrives, or not always all of a sudden. It takes a lot of work with some people, but but um, my my goal is everybody finds that feeling of liberty, that feeling of freedom within themselves to express um equivocally, un- unfettered.
2: You know that's so important. By the way, I was a, I was a bad girl. I was a truant during that time, so <laughs> from school.
0: You were a what?
2: I I was a truant. I would take off for a lot of I was bored, so I would I would take right. off. I wouldn't I would Take off for any holiday I could think of, and not go to school. I got punished for it, but it was fun while it lasted.
0: <laughs> Sorry. Right, but that just goes to show, you know, um, you didn't believe, you didn't feel the trust within uh, the system, which is what a clown does. It looks at it and and either it retreats or or it stays, and it um, it it put, rubs the uh, the nose of the authority into what is wrong about it all, you know? Because there's a reason. Right. no, I agree. Away. Yeah.
2: You have an expression that I find very interesting, and I'd like you to share what, what the meaning is and how you do that. It's called mining the funny out of anyone. What does that mean, and how do you, you Stefan, accomplish that so beautifully?
0: Well, you know, first of all, there's um, so much of my class is about intuition. Um, I've been teaching for, um, my mother was a nursery school teacher. So I probably started teaching at her school when I was 13 years old and I'm 63 now. So I've been through every single age kind of age imaginable that you could teach. Um, and I walk into every class I do truly walk in and I, the, I do the same exercise Every time, and it doesn't matter if it's the 12-year-olds or or um, ma- uh, pe- uh, performers at Cirque du Soleil, I do the same um, exercise. And within this exercise, I do a diagnostic of what is the energy in the room? What is – are people too hyper? Are people too self-conscious? What is – oh, uh, oh, th- who's showing off? Who's retreating? Um, and, I'll, and I'll look at all that in the first 10 to 15 minutes, and then a Rolodex goes through my brain, and it stops, and I go, oh, this is what I'm going to do for this class. This is, I'm going to customize this class for, for exactly what these folks need.
2: I think that's beautiful. Now, your job, you know, to get people to laugh, Steph, and they have to, as you said earlier, they have to be a little bit relaxed and secure. So how do you get the audiences to be able to to do that, to get to a place, a state of mind, of presence, of ease and comfort to be able to receive and to be open to laughter and to being
0: amused? Wow, you you are very, very intuitive yourself because... What you just said was one of the most key, like, dogmas of what's important to me, and that's how do we receive? How do we receive? There's, and, and how it starts is through breath. If the performer is actually breathing on stage or showing us they're breathing, then the audience, and, and breath includes inhale and exhale. Like, for instance, if, you've, if you saw a stand-up comedian get on stage, and the thing about clown and the thing about comedy is, you know, there's no middle ground with it. Either you hate the performer or you want them to win or you're rooting for them. If you kind of like them, it's kind of a fail. So um, how do you how do you get the the audience to root for you? And the way you do that is by actually walking on stage with the excitement, with the with the um, dilation, with the swelling of enthusiasm to be on the spot. Now that enthusiasm can also that's, that's where as performers we're all addicted to adrenaline. But adrenaline can take us down, too. It can make our body, voice, speech, and imagination um, inert, not work. Uh, but if you have craft, and that's what I teach, if you have craft, then all of a sudden that, that dilation, that swelling in front of an audience becomes your kryptonite. And that, that becomes something where you you're going to be fine because you're acknowledging it so when i walk out on stage i have to feel how wonderful it is to be performing and also the vulnerability because we're all addicted to adrenaline and why do you think we're addicted to performing why do you think to actually being the performer because it brings
2: on that adrenaline it, it I mean when I've done public speaking it you know you that adrenaline is going through us and it really helps the performance it helps being there and being out there and it feels good too.
0: Yes. This, um, but, um, but but the the reason we're uh, the the over the underlying reason that we're addicted to adrenaline is we are addicted to possible public humiliation and Ooh. the fact that we fooled them again, the fact that we made it to the other side. But that kind of feeling, it's an archetypal, universal, huge um, fear is that we are going to be shamed publicly. And the fact that we, we weren't is such, such an amazing – because if you've ever been in a play – You always need more rehearsal. You're never ready. And then you go, oh, no, we're going to have egg on our face. And then it happens, and you don't have egg on your face. And you go, you want to do it again? And you're like, yes. So then you (laughs) become addicted to possible public humiliation. (laughs) Got it.
2: (laughs) So you have this beautiful book, The Power of Heart connecting through the heart of humor. Tell our listeners more about the book, why you wrote it and why it's so essential.
0: Well, you know, um during uh COVID, I I, I wrote one one book about my life. Uh it was actually a trilogy called The Cherub and the Trout. And um and that was 750 pages three books it was huge and um and then after that I'm like what's an accessible book that I can um <laughs> write that folks would would just like 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 what you you say you know like what is it about the power of ha what is it about laughter what is it about achieving that now I could have written a book that was just like a textbook for um, for clowning where I would just document, where I would document like exercises, what you do in the first week, what you do in the second week. But as I said earlier, Joanne, it's like um, I'm intuitive. So there's no, there's a method to my madness. But when people say to me, oh, do you know another clown teacher that could, if you can't do this, it's like. I don't know anybody who does it in the flow-based way as opposed to structure-based way. The flow-based way is I get the flow of the group, and then I customize the structure. So that's a hard thing to document, you know? So so this became a um, a book which was kind of free-flowing in between – Um, My story about how I got to be um, a comic act designer for Cirque du Soleil and um, chronicling some of the first heroes that I encountered when I was really young in my 20s, when I first saw Robin Williams in a club, when I first saw David Shiner on the streets of Paris, like there are seminal moments in my life. Which, which impacted how I go forward, and it's really great to um, for you know my students to when I when I'm teaching them, I'm and it's a 23 year old and I go well if I didn't run away to Paris when I was 23, and and forego a great MFA program at a Ivy League school and go juggle on the streets of Paris, I never. Would have had this uh, this actual successful trajectory, so um, so it, it chronicles both my my own my own journey as well as the the folks along the way which influenced that, and then I also go international and I look at um, what was it like to teach clown in India and direct clowns in China. And so there's a the, there's a the universal aspect to it, which is ultimately human that we're all the same. But how do you shift those those um, perspectives? So you can you share a little
2: bit of that because that's so interesting.
0: Oh, I'd love to. Well, which one specifically? What what caught your attention?
2: Well, how how you shift it for different places, the different
0: like india how how is it different okay in, when i was in india i was probably with the um most uh brilliant i worked at the mit of india which is uh the best engineers and scientific minds in the world and these these were uh 18 year old freshmen who um who probably Studied from age 14 to 18, and they pretty much lost their childhood for for their family's well-being by getting into this university so they could support their families. However, they lost out on the child. And one of my favorite quotes is, throughout my book, I have something called Clown Nuggets. And one of my favorite (laughs) Clown Nuggets is, the child is alive in all of us asleep in some of us but alive and so our job is to wake that child up and so um with these with these folks in India these these young men and some women in India um I was um I Language wasn't the way to go. It was more about, they have so many holidays and they have so many um, uh, celebrations that um, if I went down the Bollywood dance like rabbit hole, then all of a sudden (laughs) they went from very shy, um, organized, structured um, young men to kind of kids dancing all together in a room and once you get that then the shift over to clowning and humor is so easy
2: you know i i think that's so important too. what you said earlier as well that that we all have that child which is the one that is playful imaginative creative and and helps us be that way and when you said awaken that child it's it, to me, it's a beautiful thing, and we all need—we all need to have that child awaken. So, and you're doing it. I love it. That's important. Yeah. What is it like working for serp so- de Soleil?
0: Um, well, you know it—it's a—it's a double-edged sword. On on the one hand, it's probably the most sublime, wonderful um, company you could ever work for. I mean, I was with them back in 2007 where they were really flush financially. And so the research and development and the exploration and the um, tenacity and the, the volume of, of um, projects they were doing was, was kind of otherworldly. They, they weren't competing with anybody, so they were just competing with themselves. So, you know... Um, you know, it was one of those things where uh, you would say something. Oh, it would be fun to do a Mission Impossible parody with the jewels and the lasers. And the next day, a uh, jewel uh, box would be in the middle of the room, and you go like, Oh no! I guess we better watch out what we ask for, because they're gonna they're gonna build it for us. You know. So, and the headquarters <laughs> looks like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It's like amazing. You know. Um, uh, but I said it's a double-edged sword, because on one hand, creatively, you can manifest anything you want. Huge stuff. If you say, "Oh, I want a thirty-foot uh, high-heeled slipper," they could build <laughs> that. you know the The other side of it is it's a, it's a very multi-million dollar company, so all of your whimsy earlier start to uh, be scrutinized financially later, which is part of the, you know, the dance of doing big business. And, um, and then people get more tense. I I did um, one of the best shows at Cirque du Soleil and I did one of the shows that closed pretty quickly because it went through a lot of problems. So I've seen um, both, both sides of, of the Cirque du Soleil experience.
2: What's the most interesting aspect for you of that experience?
0: For Sir- of Sir- of um, You know, the thing that I like the most about it is, uh, once again, I'm going back to um, problems with authority. And um, <laughs> this was a company which was um, founded upon outsiders. They were a bunch of kind of uh, pot-smoking, uh, stilt-walking uh, troop who – who got a big top and then started doing stuff. But people, but they did it outside um, the society. They did it. So part of the mandate of of working with artists like the team that I, I have worked with is that they leave you alone. They let you explore and they let you fail. And ultimately, the the beautiful thing is when people – especially in clowning because um, clowning is the hardest thing in Cirque du Soleil because three weeks before opening, you're in a, a cold 1,500-seat big top. And the acrobats have music and and possible peril, so they're always going to be good. And then the clown comes out by himself, and you're missing the second half. You're missing our partner, which is – the laughter of the audience so what we have to do as comic act de- designers is we have to like quell the producers that we're going to be okay trust me and there are times when it's not okay and then we have to pivot quickly but there's a there's a whole time and i just did another show called drawn to life um which is a disney cirque Collaboration, which opened last November in Orlando, Florida, and um, and you know there's a time when no one trusts you because you're just making the jokes without any 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 underlying l- laughter. So it's it's a it's a tough sell, and then if it's not good, but the good thing about Cirque du Soleil is they let you go down that road. And then when they trust you, they let you pivot and make it good, finally, as opposed to coming in earlier and saying, this stinks, we're going to cut it, which is a possibility throughout the world. Producers will do that to clowns. Right.
2: You know, it sounds like it must be hard when you're going through rehearsal, <laughs> Stefan, and again, like you said, the laughter aspect is, is missing, and and we thrive as, you know, people that are on stage and – by audience response, audience response. And so that's, that must be hard just as the as actor, producer
0: initially, right? Right. And, and imagine, Joanne, me, me telling you the same joke every night, and everyone in the room knows the punchline. So it's <laughs> never going to be funny like the first time they saw it, right? But, but the audience, it will be the first time the audience sees it. But as you do your rehearsals, everybody knows the jokes, so they, they're they not laughing. Nobody's laughing. In fact, most people are bored after a while well, until the real outside audience comes in. Then all of a sudden, everything is infused with joy,
1: and then they go, oh,
0: okay, you were right, okay.
2: <laughs> so like you said, you know, you do need to use your in, your your intuition, too, and being able to to have a sense of how is this going to be received, how is this going to come across to people from different walks, different life, you know, lifestyles, whatever. And that, that to me, is a
0: great accomplishment. Yes. and And the other thing is I use a lot more language. I use a lot more scripting earlier so everybody knows their intent, what they're doing. But as you get closer – you always peel that language away. So it's mostly a visual art form. So those folks from China or Asia or, or Europe who don't speak English will love it anyway. It's a universal art form. So that's important too.
2: So when you say it's visual art form, what are you doing visually? I mean, are you, how's, it's the movement and what, Where, what is
0: it? That's bringing on the the laughter. It's visual storytelling. It's easy enough for you to know what that is because uh, when we were kids, we loved cartoons and you could watch, you know, the road runner and the coyote uh, with the, with the uh, volume down. And you still know what's going on. So, so, and that's the important thing too is, is, um, Clowning is not variety is not the spice of life for clowning. Repetition is like m- making sure that everybody knows everybody's intent. Cause we always want, we, we, we want to stay in the, how we want to stay away from the, why, you know, not why is he sitting on the chair, but how is he sitting on the chair? If we, <laughs> if we go into the, why, then it's like, oh, he's tired. He did da-da-da. And then all of a sudden your brain is in a too complicated place. But just, you know, how is the, the roadrunner going to get away from the coyote again? That's all we care about. Or how is Bugs Bunny going to, you know, <laughs> do, do something that makes us laugh? Oh, great. But we don't need to know why he's doing it. We just know how. I love it. So you crafted that Playland
2: experience for Katy Perry. What was that about? How was that?
0: Yeah, um, uh, I was brought in by Allegra Libanotti. Uh She's a, a dear friend and a director. And we, we uh, collaborated and, and did a uh, late-night New Year's uh, experience. And in that we um, we brought in characters, and and um, we had um, a friend of mine does uh, monkeys that 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 are puppets, and and so the big thing right now is that everybody's trying to get a handle on is immersive theater, or you know your audience doesn't want to sit in an audience and watch a proscenium stage, they want to be, it's we're 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 actually segueing from a linear perspective to a holographic perspective, where you want um, the uh, where you want the 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 experience all around you. And part of the reason is everybody wants to take photos of themselves in weird characters, but they want to be in the in the experience, not watching the experience. So that's what we've provided for that um, that new year's experience.
2: I think when they're in the experience it creates more joy and more excitement
0: right i I think you're I think you're right I, and and um, uh, I just think we're we're in a place where it used to be where there were uh, fewer quote stars but now everybody's got their own Podcast. Everybody's like you. Everybody's got their own, um, you know, TikTok channels. So everybody, we're in a place where everybody is is um, acknowledged as opposed to passively watching something. It's important.
2: So, what's next for you, Stefan?
0: Well, thanks for asking. Um, uh, I just Concluded, um, I just did a big – I just did a a huge one, two, three, four uh, projects back-to-back. first thing I did was in Puerto Vallarta um, a show called Alma where 800 folks take a boat out to John Houston's old property, which is kind of like a deserted island in Puerto Vallarta. And did a right. um, the clown act in a big show with a uh, um, a pyramid in the middle of the jungle, which was amazing. They they eat dinner and then they go to the show, and um, I just uh, did that. And then that was followed by a show in downtown L.A. that just closed called Revive, which was a dinner circus in a cathedral called Viviana, and um, wow. that's where. 300 people have dinner and there are, they, they eat and right. It's the same thing I'm talking about, about immersive theater. They eat and there are ramps right where they eat. And the performers are right, you know, two feet away from them. Or if they're aerialists, they're about six feet away from them and they're, they, they pretty much encompass the entire place. And then I went up to the Oregon country fair where I did um, Hansel and Regretal And um, that was a, a, uh, a fun little 45-minute show with some amazing artists. And then I went down to, I have land in Northern California, and down the hill from us uh, is uh, the Indian re- reservation, the Pomo, Native Americans. And right. I've been wanting to bring uh, circus and the arts to them for five years, and they finally let me do it. And so I brought 16 to my land. We camped out, and we, we gave them a five-day experience of uh, circus skills and fine arts and ended with a big show. So I just finished that, like, uh, Friday. So well. I am resting right now. It sounds like you never stop. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that was quite a one. I'm probably going to be going to Burning Man. So that's the other thing I'll be doing. And then, um, and also I'll be doing some master classes for Cirque du Soleil in September. So, um, and the book launch is in October, you know, October 17th. So, um, so I'm looking forward to that and, uh, then I'll be probably doing some global touring because um, especially in India I do I have a TEDx talk in India that I did a long time ago and a few years ago and uh, and and now I'm uh um and and now I'm not sure what's next. Remember when I talked about flow instead of structure? I'm just following right. the next right thing. <laughs>
2: I got something in my tea bag that said, let it come to you.
0: <laughs> exactly. And when I push, right. it never works. It never I, works. I, I, I totally agree.
2: So we're at that time. Tell our listeners. Stefan, how they can find out more about all the wonderful things that you're doing, how they can get a hold of the book, The Power of Ha, and find out more and be infused with laughter and joy from you.
0: Oh, thank you. Um, the big, uh, my uh, website is www.anhav, as in Victor, dot com. Um, and on that, you can, that's the information on the book and all the things that I'm doing, and uh, that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Also, um, on Facebook, I'm on Facebook, same name, Stephen Haves, and, um, and, and I'm very accessible. So if someone is, is interested in, in bringing more of what I offer into their lives, I will always be of service. It is something that is incredibly important to me.
2: Stefan, you are a blessing. What would you like to leave our listeners with before we close?
0: I'd like to um, acknowledge you and this show, and and I'm so glad that you you gave me the opportunity um, to share. And um, you are. You provide a beautiful uh, container in which, which I feel very comfortable. And so thank you so much for that.
2: Well, thank you so much. You are a blessing. And I've been smiling the whole time, and that's because of you. <laughs> so thank um, you. Nice. And beautiful, beautiful, blessed day. Get some rest.
0: <laughs> I will. I need it.
2: <laughs> oh, All right. one You're last thing. Here.
0: I'm meeting with Tim. Tim Robbins today, I'll probably be doing a holiday show at the Actors Gang um, in Culver City with Tim Robbins and that, that, uh, that group. Wonderful. That's, that's fantastic.
2: Well, take care, and again, thank you so much. You are special, and I love what you do, and love that you're giving people more joy, more laughter, and more ease. Yeah, that's what take we want. Care. That's uh, that's that's our hope. Okay, take care. Definitely. Thank you again. So think okay. about what Stefan said because again, it's so important to be able to laugh, to be able to tap into, as he was talking about that 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 inner child, that creative aspect of all of us that knows how to laugh, knows how to be playful and can help you get to that place if you just awaken it. If you want to get a hold of me, I'll give you the short version. Go to DocWhite.org. And remember, you have the ability to power your life, even if it's just taking a step into laughter, a step into joy, a step into whatever it is you choose, and take those steps for yourself today. And thank you so much for joining us. Have a beautiful day. Take care of you.
1: You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author, Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.